turn with me in God's word to the gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 11 and is found on page 1168 of the Pew Bible. Last week we considered the cleansing of the temple, Jesus cleansing the temple. Well, this event did not go unnoticed by the religious authorities, and so today we see their response. Let's read Mark chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 27 to 33. Listen, this is God's word. Then they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one question, then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, well, they feared the people, for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. And so they answered and said to Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus answered and said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Amen. May God bless us the reading of his word. Now I'm sure you've heard of this story of a U.S. battleship at sea in a rough, foggy night when its radar suddenly indicates an object directly in its path. And the ship's captain sends a radio signal, we are on a collision course, advise you to change your course by 10 degrees north. And a response crackles over the radio, negative, we advise you to change your course 10 degrees south. Well, the captain can now see the blinking light from the approaching object. And perturbed, he bellows a reply, I'm the ship's captain, change course 10 degrees north now. I'm a seaman, second class, comes a reply. Advise that you change course 10 degrees south to avoid imminent collision. Well, the captain is furious. He blurts another command. This is a battleship. Change your course immediately. Well, back comes the calm reply. This is a lighthouse. Well, needless to say, the battleship changed course. It's a well-known story, but it makes a clear point you must submit to the greater authority. It doesn't matter how great you think you are. It doesn't matter how costly it may be. You must submit to the greater authority. This is what you have to do to survive. And so children, I encourage you to draw a picture of that event, of this huge battleship and this small, humble lighthouse. And you can circle the one that has the greater authority. In our passage today, we see a clash of authority, the authority of Jesus Christ and the authority of the religious leaders. And so I want you to notice that you are to recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so submit to him or be condemned for not knowing him. So firstly, beware of envy that prevents you from seeing the truth. Verse 27. So Jesus and his disciples are back in Jerusalem 
and they are again in the temple. This is the third time in three days. And we also read that the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him. Now, this is not a friendly visit. They come to Jesus to confront him. So the temple is more like a boxing ring now, where in one corner you have Jesus Christ, who appears to be the underdog. He's a preacher from a backwater town of Nazareth. He was a carpenter. He's the illegitimate son of Mary. And then in the other corner, you would have what would seem to be a very impressive delegation from the Sanhedrin. You have the chief priests. These were the Sadducees who were in charge of the temple. They were the aristocracy of Jerusalem. The priesthood was kept in the family, and so they would have seen themselves as better than others. And then you have the teachers of the law, or the scribes, who would have been familiar with all aspects of the Jewish law, and the elders who were respected community leaders. And these teachers of the law, these elders, were made up of the Pharisees. And so these men were the picture of authority in all things Judaism. They would have been trained from birth in the study of religion. They were morally scrupulous and so had reputations that would have been respected. Jesus instead was seen as a rule breaker, as one who didn't respect Jewish tradition. Instead, he called these men out and he used scripture to do this. We looked at this in Mark 7. We read, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so here we have Jesus calling these religious authorities hypocrites. Now this is not the first time for the religious establishment to confront Jesus. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we have seen this. Are these religious leaders that confront Jesus, whether it was him healing on the Sabbath day, whether it was associating with unclean people, whether it was about eating with unclean hands. An attack after attack, but Jesus only grew in popularity with the people. They were recognizing his authority. Remember they said he is one that teaches with authority. He had the authority to forgive sins. But Jesus then demonstrated his authority by clearing the temple. It's no wonder that we have these religious leaders confronting Jesus. Who is Jesus to clear the temple of the stallholders and the money changers? These folk were authorized by the temple to be there. They were providing a service to the pilgrims. But in doing so, they were extorting people out of their money, and they were preventing the Gentiles from coming to the temple to worship and pray to God. And so Jesus wasn't simply disagreeing with what was happening in the temple. No, he's completely opposed to it. In John's Gospel, we read that zeal for God's house consumed him. And so he threw out those who were involved in this racket. As a result, we read last week in Mark 11, verse 18, when the scribes and chief priests heard it, they sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. The religious establishment were out to destroy him. They saw Jesus as a risk. He was turning the people against them, 
ran against their tradition. And Pilate was able to see what was happening when these Jewish leaders delivered Jesus into his hands. Mark 15, verse 10. He perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. And envy is a very dangerous emotion. It prevents you from seeing the truth. These religious leaders, they could not see Jesus for who he is. They would not see him as their Messiah. They wanted his authority over the people for themselves. And so they saw him as a threat to their way of life. And they rejected him. And they rejected the salvation that he offered. And envy can be a problem for each one of us. We often want what others have. Or we grow discontent when we feel we don't measure up to other people. And as a result, it prevents us from enjoying relationships with others. Instead of being blessed by others, we react by trying to bring them down. Or at least we do so in our minds. We need to see the truth and recognize how Christ has saved his people. Not because of the gifts that they have, but out of his mercy. Therefore, we should be humble and we should rejoice at the grace that he gives to each one of us, his children. So beware of envy that prevents us from seeing the truth. Well, secondly, let's ask the question, who is the authority in your life? In verse 28, the religious leaders, they asked Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? Now, this is not an innocent question. This was not a genuine investigation to work out the facts. No, this was a challenge to Jesus' authority. They saw him as a threat to their own authority. And so they asked this trick question, which they hoped would bring him down. They knew that Jesus believed that he is God. Remember, he had called himself the Son of Man. He forgave sins. He called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. He received the praise and adoration of the crowd as he walked into Jerusalem or riding on a donkey. He quoted from the prophets. He saw himself as the fulfillment of prophecy, as the Messiah himself. So they're hoping that Jesus will say that he is God and so incriminate himself because to them, this would be blasphemy. Now, they would be right to say it's blasphemy if Jesus wasn't God. Since Jesus is God, they are the ones in the wrong. Too often our world will not investigate who Jesus is. They maybe see him as a great teacher, but they do not realize that this is not a credible conclusion. C.S. Lewis puts it well. I hope you have the handout. It's quite a long quote. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says that he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. 
Now let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He does not intend to. And there is a reason why people say that Jesus is a great teacher and nothing else. That's because a great teacher cannot make demands on your life. Yes, they can give you advice, but you get to decide whether you take that advice or not. There are those who mock Jesus or belittle him. And they again do so because they reject Jesus as an authority in their life. Otherwise, he would be a threat to their way of life. But Jesus is Lord. And so the right response is to submit to him, to recognize that he has the right to tell you what to do. Our call to worship, Jesus said himself, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And Ferguson says, you will not truly confess Jesus as the Christ until you are willing bow to his authority as your savior, lord and teacher. And so Jesus is the greatest authority. He is the authority in your life. And so the right response is to recognize Christ's lordship in your life and submit to him. But thirdly, let's notice Jesus confronts you with the truth in verses 29 to 30. So Jesus answers their question with a question. He asks them if the baptism of John was from heaven or from men. And this is a typical Jewish response when receiving a question to respond with a question. And Jesus was asking, was John from God, and therefore were his baptisms legitimate, or was it from men, meaning God was not in it? Now, this was not an abstract question. It's a pointed question. John the Baptist had been killed by Herod Antipas for condemning his adulterous marriage to his brother's wife. And so as a result, the people saw John as a martyr. He was standing up for the truth. They also saw him as a prophet. We read that in verse 32. He taught in the desert a message of repentance from sin. that He was preparing the way for the one to come for the Messiah. And those who repented of their sin... Well, John then baptized in the River Jordan. Now the Jews were expecting one like Elijah to come again. And John fits the description perfectly. But the religious leaders, they did not accept John. They did not accept his message. And as a result, John did not ex accept them. And he put that explicitly. We can read that in Matthew 3, verse 7. Then John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. So these religious leaders, they had put their trust in their heritage. They were proud of their religious commitment. They therefore believed that they were perfectly acceptable to God. That they had no need of John the Baptist. They had no need of the Messiah that he proclaimed. When you don't realize that you're in difficulty, you don't cry out for help. And too often people see Jesus as a 
irrelevant in their lives because they do not realize that it's only in him that they have salvation. They don't see the necessity of the cross because they don't recognize sin in their life that deserves God's wrath. And so Jesus confronted these men with the truth that John the Baptist was God's divine messenger. John had baptized Jesus, so inaugurating Jesus' ministry, pointing to the truth that Jesus would represent his people and to cleanse them of sin. John himself said in Mark 1, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus is the one who comes after John. He is the one who is mightier than John, whose baptism will be that of salvation. For it is in Christ that we are made new. Jesus is the one that we are to put our trust in. And so we need to be confronted with this truth. You need a savior. Otherwise, you're living in denial and you won't see your need of Christ. So fourthly, do you fear man or do you fear God? Verses 31 to 33. Well, Jesus had really put these men in a bind. While they had tried to trap Jesus, Jesus ends up trapping them. John the Baptist was popular with the people, but he was not popular with the religious establishment. They did not respect him. They did not believe he was from God. But if they were to speak against John, the crowd of people would be against them. They would have an uprising on their hands, and they did not want an uprising. They did not want to upset the Romans who would quickly squash this weak Jewish state. The other week I was at the IU ladies basketball game against Michigan and the crowd of fans adored the IU players that they had come to support. So anytime they felt that the Michigan players weren't playing fair, they booed the Michigan players. When the referee made a decision against IU, well, that referee was not popular. Well, these religious leaders, they knew they would not be popular with the people if they reject John. And remember, they are wanting the people's support. They were envious of Jesus' relationship with the crowd. But if they were to accept John and say that his baptism is from heaven, that it is from God, well then, why didn't they get baptized themselves? Why didn't they accept Jesus? For he is the one John was pointing to, preparing the way for him. Ferguson writes, to acknowledge John's baptism was God-ordained would be to confess that Jesus is the Christ. And so they respond with a non-committal answer. We do not know. The most learned man of all Israel did not know. What a pathetic response. They did not know because they were unwilling to say it. Jesus' simple question, it puts them on the spot, demonstrates that these men, who were full of their own authority, they were more afraid of men than they were of God. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago how the Church of England did something similar. They rejected officiating at a same-sex marriage, but they okayed blessing those in a same-sex marriage. They were afraid of men. They were afraid of the media, and so they abided by the world's agenda. 
And yet they cause this self-inflicted wound of not making a decision by trying to appease everyone. And the end result was they appeased no one. And the outcome is that many Anglicans across the world now reject the Church of England and reject the Archbishop of Canterbury as their spiritual leader. And so the question is, who do you fear? Do you fear God or do you fear man? This is something that we have to grapple with because the teaching of Christianity is becoming more and more unpopular. But if you recognize that Christ is Lord, that he is the authority in your life, you will not fear man. You will stand firm. You will not compromise. And young people especially, you are facing a lot of pressures. You want to be popular. You want friends. You want a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You want to be respected by your fellow classmates or by your professors and teachers. But those desires should not lead you to compromise. Since Christ is your Lord, you are to enjoy friendships that you have with other believers. You are to only have a Christian boyfriend or a Christian girlfriend. Otherwise, you are placing yourself in a compromised position. Dating anyone who is not a believer will be difficult because they will not respect your beliefs. Seeking to impress your colleagues or your professors will also be hard, for there will be times when they will disagree with you and in in the Christian teaching you believe in. Will you go along with what they say, or will you remain true to Christ? And so you are to be ready to bear the cost from those who will not respect you because of your faith in Christ. But since Christ is your Lord, you will fear him not man. But finally, you're condemned if you do not know Christ as your Lord. The right answer to the question that the religious leaders asked Jesus was also the right answer to the question that Jesus asked them. Jesus's authority is from God, for he is God. Likewise, John's baptism is from heaven. It was ordained by God. Because they're unwilling to recognize this, for fear of losing their own authority. We read that Jesus would not tell them by what authority he does these things. And so in response to their unwillingness, Jesus will not answer their question. And these men, they have investigated Jesus' claims. They've witnessed his miracles. They've heard his teaching. They have all the evidence, but they refuse to acknowledge him as the Christ. They will not submit to his authority. And the outcome is that they are rejected. They are condemned by Jesus for their unbelief. He will not tell them of their authority. Now, the other day we had a very pushy salesman in the house. To get the deal that he was offering, we had to decide in the moment. Well, if you know us, we, you know we don't make decisions too quickly. We like to research and ask other people's opinions and to get quotes from other companies. But to get this deal that this man was offering, we had to agree right there and then. And at the end, I said to him, we just aren't ready to make a decision. And his response was, you have made a decision. Well, needless to say, we were glad to get rid of him. <laughs> now, the religious establishment had three years to get to know Jesus. They weren't having to make a decision after only an hour of meeting him. But their response was, 
of we do not know, that was them making a decision. They were rejecting Christ. They were unwilling to submit to him. Yes, they were asking questions, but they were not ready to listen to the answers. Kevin DeYoung gives a good illustration. He says it's like playing hide and seek with your children when all you're trying to do is to get your children out of your hair. You have no intention of finding them. You start counting, and so they run and they hide, and you enjoy that five minutes of peace that that provides. And when they start to come out, you shout, I'm still counting. So you get another five minutes more. These religious teachers, they did not want to find out who Jesus was. They were not interested in his authority. No, instead, they wanted to keep the status quo and enjoy their own authority over the people. Jesus condemned them for their own belief. And it's a warning that if you do not accept Christ as your Lord, you too will be condemned. Now, thankfully, this was not the end for the religious establishment. We read in the book of Acts how the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So the priests, these religious leaders who had rejected Jesus, they would later humble themselves and see that they need Christ. And we read they're obedient to the faith. They would submit to Christ. They would recognize that he is Lord of their life. And I trust and pray that is true for each one here. And if you are still investigating, wanting to find out more, we'll do that. And speak to me or speak to Pastor Rich, and we'll certainly love to talk to you more. At the end of the day, you have to come to a conclusion. You can't put it off. You have to make a decision. Otherwise, you must heed the warning that if you don't, you will be condemned for not knowing him. The religious leaders, they come to Jesus asking, by what authority did he do these things? Well, it's the same authority that John the Baptist baptized with. Jesus Christ is God. He is Lord. And your response must be to submit to him. And in the psalm of praise that we will sing, Psalm 86, we see how we do that. We find our strength in God so to submit to him. So let's ask God for his help. We continue to submit to him for he is the Christ. He is the ultimate authority. He is Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We clearly see that Jesus Christ is Lord. Too often we're not willing to recognize his authority. And so we pray that you would humble us, that we would submit to him. Lord, help us not to be afraid of man. Instead, that we would fear you and so walk in your ways. We ask for your help and your strength to do just that. And we pray for any here who have yet to submit their lives to you that they would do so now and heed the warning so that they would know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And we pray this in his name. Amen. So let's turn to that psalm, Psalm 86. Psalm 86b. This psalm speaks of wholehearted devotion to God. That is how you are to respond to the mercy of God. How do we do this? Well, the psalm speaks of finding strength in God. Likewise for you, 
you can be wholehearted in your devotion because in Christ you are strengthened. Let's stand and sing Psalm 86.